0: Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about how patient advocates provide empowerment and peace of mind is Cindy Johnson. Cindy is a board certified patient advocate, certified senior advisor, CEO, and founder of Patient Advocate Agency. Cindy has been working in the healthcare field for over 20 years. Her career started as a nurse working in oncology at Princeton Medical Center. As a nurse and medical education specialist, Cindy thought that the healthcare system worked well for patients. However, once her daughter became seriously ill and medically complicated, she realized how difficult and confusing the healthcare system can be and why it is important to have someone advocate for you. This is why Cindy founded Patient Advocate Agency. Thank you for being here today, Cindy. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you
0: so Very good. Looking forward to our conversation. Before we get started, for those joining us today, if you have any questions, type those questions in and time permitting we will get those questions answered at the end. So Cindy, how can a patient advocate for themselves?
1: Well, a patient advocate does bring um, empowerment and peace of mind in many ways. So I'm going to start off by going a little bit over um, kind of the experience that I had in the hospital setting as a nurse. You know, after being in a hospital setting for years, I thought the system worked very well for patients, but I started to realize that they get Patients get confused, they get frustrated, they have stress, they have anxiety and so do their family members. And during that time, they don't ask a lot of questions. Um, They're not really prepared to to talk to the doctors about treatment options. Is this the only thing I can do? They kind of just nod their head and move along. And and I think, you know, there's even advocates who say, when I'm sick, I want somebody there with me because when you're under the stress of not feeling well, um, being in a hospital, um, you don't always think clearly. And so this is where patient advocates come in. Now, patient advocates um, have been around for probably longer than 10 years, but um, one of the organizations that I belong to, the Alliance of Professional Health Advocates, also known as AFA, has been um, around for 10 years. They just celebrated their 10-year anniversary. um, And it was founded by Tricia Torrey, who does not have a medical background, but did have an unpleasant experience as a patient. And that's one of the reasons why she founded this organization. Um, And most recently, um, there's another organization called GNA or Greater National Advocates that was founded by Bradley Schwartz. And he founded it also because he had an adverse medical event in a hospital. And his story is very interesting. Um, So who are patient advocates? Well, we come from all different educational backgrounds. I'm a nurse. We have patient advocates in our field that are doctors that are social workers, that are case managers, that are lawyers. Um, And we also have advocates out there that are lay people, have no medical background, but have either been a caregiver for a family member um, and has learned how to advocate for that person and has realized exactly how complicated and complex this healthcare system is that we have in this country. And so they they have joined this profession also. And what you find is, um, I would say most of the, all the advocates that I've known and work with, they're very passionate about helping their clients. They're very passionate about making sure they get the care they need, get their um, questions answered, um, have good results. And and they do it because it's something that they really care a lot about. Um, and advocates, when you I'm a board-certified patient advocate, and uh, in order to be a board-certified patient advocate, you have to sit for an exam. We have to follow their ethical guidelines. We um, have to maintain our continuing education credits and constantly be re-educated. And one of the things um, about board-certified patient advocates is that we do not accept referral fees. So, for patients that need to go to an assisted living, or they want to bring in a home care company, advocates coordinate that. But if you're a BCPA, we do not take referral fees or money or anything for any of those services. We have very strict guidelines. And also, we do not offer um, clinical advice or perform any clinical duties, even if we have a license to do so. As an advocate, we are there not to give you a clinical opinion. We're there to give you options and provide basically like a roadmap um, so that you can make an informed, good decision about your health care. So um, why would you hire an, a, a private patient advocate? Well, private patient advocates work solely for their clients and we call this the allegiance factor. So the allegiance factor means that we are not obligated or working for anybody else but our client. Now you probably hear this and I hear it all the time, especially when I call insurance companies, they will say, oh, you're, you've reached our customer advocate department. <laughs> or um, some hospitals now have made their either case managers or their discharge planners into patient advocates. The difference is in the hospital, those patient advocates work mostly for the risk management department. And at the end of the day, the hospital is signing their paycheck. So they, and and as good as some of them are, and I know a lot of them, their allegiance is is to the hospital. But when you hire a private or an independent patient advocate, our allegiance is to you. And the other thing to remember, too, is when you're in the hospital, and most people don't know this, but from the time you're admitted, from that minute you're admitted, you are assigned either a case manager or a discharge planner, and they automatically start figuring out when they're going to discharge you, because that's their role. From the point of admission, they start discharge planning. But you have to remember that sometimes you may be asked to be discharged too soon, and it's not safe, because you don't have everything at home, and you... They have not completely figured out what's wrong with you and you're still not feeling well. And the other thing, too, is that that patient advocate or that discharge planner or case manager in the hospital, the minute you walk out the front doors of the hospital and they wheel you to the car, they're finished. There's no follow-up. But if you have a private patient advocate, we make sure that all your care and everything is being coordinated from discharge to wherever your next step is, whether it's home or rehab. Um, so this is Confucius, his, he says, success depends upon previous preparation. And without such preparation, there is sure to be failure. And this applies to your healthcare. We need to be prepared when we go in to see doctors and be prepared for surgeries. And you can even be prepared for emergency room visits. And the benefit of being prepared is you're probably going to have a better outcome. And I don't know if you knew this, but, um, There was a survey done by Healthgrades in 2012, and it says that more people, people spend more time researching a car purchase than they do their doctor or hospital. And probably doesn't surprise everybody, but we need to spend as healthcare consumers, because we are consumers of the healthcare industry, we need to spend a little more time being prepared um, for doctor's appointments, for hospital visits, et cetera. I, I tell my clients that you should think of going into a doctor's appointment like you would if you went into a meeting with your boss or with your subordinates or anything in business. You wouldn't walk in the, into a meeting with no questions, no notes, no plan. You would have all that. And it, it should be the same way when you go to a doctor's appointment. Um, so where can these advocates help you be prepared? So advocates from all these different backgrounds also have different specialties. Some like myself, we're more generalists. We do a little bit of everything. Others are very specific and their advocate roles. So advocates will help prepare you for these medical appointments. We attend medical appointments with you. We will attend surgeries and procedures. Um, the benefit there is that when the doctor comes out, if you don't have, if you don't have a family member or a loved one, we take the notes, get all the information so that when you go home, you you completely understand everything the doc- doctor has said and you understand the plan of care. Um, because as I've had many surgeries and anybody that's ever had surgery, you know, when you wake up, you're kind of really not alert and with it um, and don't remember a whole lot of what the doctor has told you in the recovery room. Um, advocates, again, assist with transition from hospital to a rehab or to assisted living, to a skilled nursing facility or to home. Um, we also coordinate care and communication between clients, families and medical providers. I know everybody thinks that, you know, because we now have my chart systems and all this information, that the doctors automatically get all your information. Well, no, they don't, because not every doctor's office um, communicates that way with each other. Um, I always tell my clients, make sure that you you've told one doctor how many other doctors you're seeing and that they understand they know that they're taking part in your care and what they're prescribing. Um, Another tip is always bring your medical records with you if you can, because I can't tell you how many times when one doctor's office says they're faxing it to the other doctor's office and you get there for your appointment and your your new doctor specialist hasn't received your records. Um, We also help manage care for seniors and do elder care. We conduct background research um, regarding diagnosis and treatment options. So, if you've been diagnosed with a rare disease or disorder, advocates research and find out which doctors, which healthcare systems are out there that are comprehensive that would take care of that. And if you're not happy with your doctor, we research second opinions. So, who would be the next doctor you would go to see for your second opinion? Um, there are there are advocates out there that assist families and clients with end-of-life care. And um, there's advocates that help with mediation. So, if mom and dad need to go into a certain nursing home or assisted living facility, but brother and sister who are on opposite ends of the country don't agree on what's going on, then there's advocates that specialize in in family mediation and resolving the conflicts, you know, in order to make the transition smoother and get the care for mom and dad. Um, And there's uh, advocates also help you with insurance claims and medical billing issues. So there's advocates out there for just about every facet of our healthcare system. And because it's so complex and there's so many entities, anybody that's ever had a a diagnosis, you know that you end up with one doctor, another doctor, maybe therapists, surgery centers, rehab centers. Um, So it's important that you're prepared um, and advocates help you with that preparation. Okay, so does your doctor have all the facts? So... (laughs) This is really important because each year in the United States, nearly 84 percent of adults and 93 percent of children will have contact with a health care provider because something ails them. They're either sick or injured or they're experiencing unusual health symptoms. Each year, patients will make 125.7 million outpatient visits and 884.7 million physician office visits these patients and their caregivers are asking two things. They want an accurate diagnosis and they want an appropriate treatment plan. However, it has been estimated that 10 to 20 percent of all diagnoses are inaccurate. So why would a diagnosis be inaccurate? Well, there's a couple reasons. And um, a Dr. Richard McLean from a uh, nationwide children's hospital said that he felt that most the most common reasons patients are misdiagnosed is that the doctor or nurse does not have all the facts and trust between doctors and nurses is very important however almost 23 percent of americans are not completely truthful with their doctors and so when you go into the doctor's office if you are not giving him all of the information if you're not telling him about your complete health history all the medications that you're taking he's gonna have a hard time putting that puzzle together and getting you what you want, which is a correct diagnosis and appropriate treatment. So advocates help in this area because we help to organize and prepare you for that appointment and make sure that you're being transparent with your doctor. You know, people say, oh, you know, I don't have to tell them every supplement that I'm taking. Well, you do because he may prescribe a medication that's gonna have either an adverse reaction with the supplement you're taking or it will diminish the effect of the medication that he has prescribed because of the effects of taking it with a certain supplement. So this is why it's important. We have to go in with all of our facts. So it's an advocate's role to make sure that the healthcare team has all of the right information. So we help to educate the doctors too about your health because we wanna make sure that you're getting the proper attention and care. And we also can translate that to your loved ones, especially if it's a, if it's a mom and dad and the adult children live somewhere else. Um, So we actively partner with medical teams. We're part of a collaborative effort, right? To make sure that all the doctors are communicating, everybody has all the information. Because if, you know, most of the time you get into a doctor's office, what do you have? Maybe 15, 16 minutes for a visit? So you have to be prepared to get the most out of that particular visit with that doctor. And I'm sure everybody's run into this. Sometimes doctors speak, like they're speaking to another doctor. And I watch patients sit there and they'll say, do you have any questions? And they shake their head no. And when you leave the room, you say, did you understand what he said? Nope, I have no idea what he said. So this is another area where advocates can help. We can translate for you. We can break it down. We can explain it in simpler terms so that you understand what the doctor said. And also while we're in the appointment, I'll look over at my patient and realize, or my client and realize she's lost. She doesn't know what the doctor's saying. So then I will ask, can you break that down again? Exactly what are you saying? How do you want to treat it? What are the next steps? So, and we always recommend whether you're with an advocate or not, take notes when you go to the doctors, have your questions, you know, be prepared. Um, there's also a great app called Medquarter who will record the doctors. If you ask permission, most doctors will tell you, yes, it'll record your visit with them and then it transcribes it. So it makes things a lot easier. Now, are you in the front seat with your doctor? Again, this is something that I think, and I witnessed this with my father, you know, goes into the doctor's office, the doctor says something, he nods his head, we walk out. And then he comes home and he complains, well, I don't want to do that. Or I don't think I need this. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) you should have said something when we were there. So I think this is a, a lot of times we don't feel like we're in the front seat with the doctor. We feel like he's driving and we're somewhere back in the caboose, right? We need to be in the front seat. It's a collaborative effort between you and the doctor. And you have to be comfortable to say, look, I don't think I like that treatment option. What other treatment options do you have? So this is one of those things that we prepare you for that. And so that you're part of the team because after all, and I think we forget this, that, that we're basically his customer, right? We're a consumer. So we're his customer. So you have a right, you know, to ask him questions, just as you would if somebody was coming to put a new roof on your house. You know, you would certainly ask him a lot of questions about how he was going to do it, what Terry was going to use, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing with the doctors. And I find that most doctors appreciate it. They like when they have patient engagement. They really do appreciate it because They want to make sure that their patients are well-informed and educated, too. It's all just part of this this process. Now, too many round trips. Yes. So about one in five patients, on average, is back in a hospital within 30 days. And that's something everybody wants to avoid. Most people didn't want to go to the hospital for the first trip, let alone have to come back. And when you have an advocate working with you by your side, they can help reduce this occurrence because what are some of the common reasons people end up back in the hospital? They can't get to follow-up appointments. Nobody has coordinated transportation for for them to get to their doctor's appointments. They can't get their prescriptions filled. The discharge planner hands them the prescription, they take it home, it gets shuffled in some paperwork um, and it doesn't get filled or they don't have access to have it delivered or to have somebody go get their prescriptions for them. They may take their medications incorrectly because during the discharge process, they really weren't paying attention. And sometimes, you know, I've seen this during discharge, the nurse comes in and says, okay, here's your discharge papers. We're gonna go over these really quick. Um, John, can you go get the car for Mary? So the one person that's supposed to be helping and listening now just ran out the the door to go pick up the car. And you don't really have to do that. You can say, no, I'm gonna sit here. I wanna make sure I understand her discharge instructions before I go get the car. But, and that's another reason they people leave and the person that's sick is trying to comprehend and get all of this and they don't. Um, some people leave the hospital with an infection and they don't know the early warning signs. And, you know, sometimes they're just anxious to get out. So even if they don't feel really well, it may, they may say, well, it's because I was in the hospital. It's all part of it. Um, Other ones that they ignore signs of your typical post-stay complications, like a blood clot. And others don't realize that the condition that they were admitted for is now getting a little worse and don't know when to call to go back. So that's where advocates can come in and, and we can help with that. Yes, keep track of who's who and what they do. I touched on this a little bit, but when you've been diagnosed with um, a new disease or a disorder, you a lot of times you start out with your primary care physician. Then he sends you to another specialist, and that specialist says, "Okay, well, I'm only going to handle this part of your care, but now you need to go see this specialist." And you know, and then it could be physical therapy, speech therapists, occupational therapists, in and out of you know inpatient or outpatient rehab centers. So it's important to keep track of what who they are and what they do, and when you need to go back and see them. And the more complicated diagnosis you have, the more healthcare providers you most likely have um, as part of your treatment and and your care plan. And it can be overwhelming and it's confusing and you don't always know what to do next or who to call next or know what doctor was I supposed to call if this was happening. So patient advocates are there to help. And one of the other things that advocates do is that we also, when you're in the hospital or even if you've been discharged, we try to get care planning together with all of these specialists so that it's a comprehensive look at your total health care. And we call for um, care planning conferences all the time and say, okay, we need to get everybody here together and let's have a conversation about this because the one doctor, the cardiologist is only looking at your heart, right? Your orthopedist is only looking at your bones, I mean, and so they all need to get together to understand what's going on with you as a whole person. so we're, advocates are here to help you, whether you're in the middle of a healthcare crisis or you're managing a chronic illness, um, or you need assistance with the coordination um, for a loved one or an aging parent. Um, so advocates can be that vital link between between helping you and um, getting the maximum amount of care for, for your loved ones. And again, <clears throat> this goes to having somebody with you when you're in a hospital. You know, unfortunately now with COVID-19, um, nobody can go in. (laughs) We're still in lockdown in California. Um, There's no visitors allowed unless um, they are considered actively dying and then they're allowed to have one visitor. So this makes this this a little bit more difficult, but what I have learned during COVID-19 is this is where it takes a lot of negotiation and communication with the healthcare facility to make sure that loved ones can see and talk to um, the one that's in the hospital. And we've, I've been doing this through advocating through FaceTime, making sure that the uh, person that's in the hospital has a phone. Um, some hospitals do have iPads. And so you just ask, um, I would like to be able to have a FaceTime video with my loved one, so I can see them and they can see me and we can have a conversation. And even if the person is incapacitated, um, most hospitals are accommodating that and putting the family on FaceTime so they can see their loved one that may be in ICU and and just can't communicate. Um, But as a part of the process of trying to get to the right people at the hospital, and that's what advocates know. We know who's in the hospital, the chain of command in the hospital, and then we also know how to kind of like color outside the lines a little bit and, and, and make sure that we can get the results for our clients. And so there's a lot of negotiation going on right now with trying to get either people into hospitals or coordinating FaceTime visits, but it's really important. It's important because it relieves anxiety for the family who's now sitting basically at the curb and can't get in, and it also relieves anxiety for the patients. So that's what we do. Um, So I would say that bringing a patient advocate and hiring a patient advocate brings you um, our value, lies in bringing peace because we're here to help alleviate fear, anxiety. You know, our goal is to make our clients informed and confident healthcare consumers. So we wanna empower our clients to make informed healthcare decisions. And this is done when the client has a greater understanding of the healthcare and the options for them. And the benefit is that patients can focus on healing. Family can focus on being there to support their loved one. And knowing that there's a professional patient advocate is taking care of all the details. So it kind of lets a you know, a spouse or a partner be a spouse and a partner. It lets the son or daughter have that role and not worry about all the other details.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, a couple questions, real good stuff. Uh, thank you, Cindy. Um, oh, you're welcome. The first question is why is a family member not the best advocate for a family member patient?
1: Well, they are a good advocate. And, and they, there, it's not that they're not the best advocate, they are a good advocate, but there are some times when the family member may not know how to navigate through the system and be able to get to the answers. Um, also, the family member, at times when your loved one has just been given, you know, a devastating diagnosis, they're just as upset and they have just as much anxiety and stress as the patient does. And so sometimes they freeze up and they're not always thinking clearly. So a patient advocate can come in and sit with the family member, sit with the one who is sick and the client and set out goals. And a lot of times, you know, we educate and we teach people how to advocate for themselves. We teach them how to ask the right questions. Where do you go next? What is the next step? So, you know, they may advocate, we may advocate or they may hire us for a short period of time, and but my goal is that I would really like everybody to be able to feel confident and informed and be able to advocate either, not only for themselves but for a loved one. So yeah, family members can be great advocates, absolutely.
0: Okay, who who should hire a patient
1: advocate? Well, I think anybody who's a consumer of the healthcare industry, right? I mean, okay. so whether you're like I said, if you're in the middle of a healthcare crisis, um, whether you're managing a chronic illness, you know. Unfortunately, we live in a society that tends to be reactive and not proactive, Um, but so you may be too sick. I was just saying too sick or too weak to advocate for yourself. Um, And so anybody that either has been given a complicated diagnosis, um, somebody who's just been or has had a loved one that was just in a motor vehicle accident and now is in the hospital and is in ICU. And they don't understand what the doctors are telling them, they don't think they're getting the right care, they don't think their questions are being answered, um, they need to be able to transition their loved one from ICU to the next step and then get them into the correct inpatient rehabilitation facilities. Um, advocates help, this happens a lot too, for elder care. You have adult children that may even live near their parents, we call them the sandwich generation, but they have a lot of things going on in their life. So mom and dad are now elderly and need some assistance, but they still work full time. They still have children at home and they don't wanna have to keep taking off work and making phone calls and sneaking out of the office because they need their job. So advocates come in there where we can sit down with the family, make out a scope of work or a plan. What is the situation? What tasks do you want the advocate to provide? And then the adult child can go back to working raising the family and, and have that peace of mind that mom and dad are getting the care that they that they need. Um, and then also we get calls all the time from people, you know, they have a, their daughter is 3,000 miles away, and they're in a retirement and their mom's in a retirement home, and they just don't understand what's going on. Mom can't quite remember everything that the doctors are telling her and what she needs to do, you know, so and advocates come in and we help out with that um, with elder care coordination.
0: So I want to kind of piggyback on that questions, uh, which you just the, the comment you just made about somebody that's not in your area. What do you do for, do you only service people in your locale? What about people nope. that have family members elsewhere? What do you do?
1: So I have clients right now I'm in California and I have, I have clients in Maine. So it just depends. I think one of the important things is that you connect with your advocate. So that you feel like that your advocate is somebody that you can have a working relationship with, that you're comfortable with. Um, But advocates work all over the nation. And especially now we can't get into hospitals um, to do any of that, but advocates can help. We help by phone calls. We make phone calls with doctors. We do research. Um, Advocates that deal with insurance and billing, that's all done, you know, by the phone. I do Zoom meetings with my clients. take phone calls, if you want to have an advocate that's in the area because they may know the resources better, then absolutely. So if, if a daughter is living in New Jersey and her mom's out here in Southern California, she may be in Jersey, she may hire me because mom needs to go to assisted living and all mom's doctors are out here. And because I'm local, then I know all the resources. I have all the referral information and I can give her all that information so she can make a choice and help mom you know whether she's moving to an assisted living or just help her find better doctors.
0: All right so last question then so how can somebody find if they're if they are looking how can somebody find a a patient advocate?
1: So there's a couple different websites so um, GNA which is Greater National Advocates they have a directory and um And also it's called ADVO, A-D-V-O directory. And that's part of the Alliance of Professional Health Advocates. So those are two really good resources to find patient advocates. There is another organization um, called the National Association of Health Advocate Consultants, and they also list advocates on their website. And they'll list them, you can search them by what you're you're looking for them to do. Is it insurance? Is it uh, appointments? Is it elder care coordination? you can look them up by that and also by their location.
0: Okay. Well, good. Well, Cindy, how can somebody locate you? How can they find you?
1: Okay. So to find me, you would go to um, www.patientadvocateagency.com. That is my website. You can also call me uh, 760-567-3744. I take calls at all times. I'm not, um, because people's healthcare is not nine to five. So I answer my phone weekends and after five o'clock, um, or you can send me an email at Cindy at your PAA.com. And, I'd be, uh, well, thank- and how I work is I offer a free initial consultation. So we we talk about your current circumstances, why you think you want to hire an advocate, what you're hoping an advocate could do for you. And, and then we go on from there.
0: Well, good. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. Very educational. Um, Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.